to the Relentless CEO Podcast with Adam Kiefer. Follow your path to success alongside icons and industry leaders in martial arts, fitness, and more. This is the Relentless CEO Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Relentless CEO Podcast. We had so many questions come in that we're doing a part two of answering your guys' burning hot questions online Sounded slightly sexual. I didn't mean it to. All right. We're going to jump right in. Adam, uh, do you prefer having an open floor to lobby or closed floor with spectators watching through the windows? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. (laughs) We have – so MX, if you've ever been to MX Martial Arts, uh, it's completely closed in training floor. Most parents watch through glass. If you do it that route, you definitely need to have – your instructor is using a microphone and have speakers so that the parents can hear what's actually being taught in the class and hear what's actually being said to the kids. Um, pros of it is the lobby area, it's really easy to have conversations in, really easy to answer the phone because the volume is cut off as soon as the door is closed to the training area. I like the look of it, honestly, too. Um, uh, so that part is good. The cons of it is I have, I have no proof of this, but sometimes I feel like parent engagement isn't quite as good because there's a little bit of separation there. So our next location, our third one that we're building is going to be completely open floor to lobby. So we'll we'll have a a good comparison to go back and forth with. Our second one is closed off as well uh, to the lobby, but there's a giant seating area. The whole seating area is within the training floor. That is probably going to be the model that I prefer because it still keeps the sound separation there. Uh, so that way the person at the front desk doesn't have loud crowd yells and music blasting in the background while they're answering phones. But at the same time, all the parents are within the training floor and can still interact. We can still uh, get their attention a lot easier. So I think that's a model that's going to win, but we'll sort of see what that looks like as it all plays out. And honestly, guys, uh, in like grand scheme of things, I don't think it matters that much. We we I see some successful school owners that have both models. I see successful school owners that have a half wall. Uh, there's a million different ways you can do it. Um, I think it's not going to be the secret or the uh, the secret to your success or failure either way. Number two, how do you have conversations with parents explaining that their child is unable to test? All right. When this happens, if you are having this conversation the week of testing, you failed as an instructor. Um, And I'm saying this because I've failed as an instructor before and done it this way. You need to make sure that there's some sort of progress, like checkpoints that they're hitting before the actual test. Because those progress checkpoints are where you should be telling the parent that, hey, you know what, I'm slightly worried because it looks like Johnny's a little bit behind on this and this. I want to make sure that we get him on track to test. And then we maybe we offer actually a five-minute or 10-minute help session to, to help that student fix whatever needs to be fixed. And then you constantly remind that student when they're coming in. You ask the parent to remind them on drop-off, give them instructions on what to practice. Now, all of a sudden, when it comes to testing week, if that kid still isn't ready, it's a much easier conversation to have because the parent was already told six weeks ago that that child was struggling with some things and isn't quite ready. I also love going to just like Jotty's approach to this is this almost the exact same approach I use where I'm just very transparent with them. And I, I talk to the parent and be like, 
hey, as you know, we have standards that we need everyone to meet in order to be able to test and, and level up to their next belt. Um, right now, Johnny's not meeting those standards. And I know that you want your child to earn their belts, right? You want them to, when they earn it, like you know that they were at the standards, they did what they were supposed to, and they got it because they earned it, not just because it's been three months. Would, it, would you, Is that fair to say? Mom or dad agrees. They say, all right, because of that, he's not going to be ready to test this time. Now, there are occasions, like if the child's really, really close, we will let them test in class the following week and, or, or test after class the following week and do it that way. Um, if they're not close, though, we don't give them a chance to do it again. Like, they, It's usually because they're either not attending consistently, they're, maybe they're just not giving their best effort in class. Um, and this really should be like, a few and far between talk, hopefully, because you have progress checkpoints in place. But just be transparent and let them know that you have standards to meet and then make sure that you're explaining to the parent that, hey, you wouldn't want me just to give your kid a belt because they came to class for three months, right? You want them to earn it because they hit the standards that we're looking for for a brown belt or a green belt or whatever. And explain it that way. Um, I always, uh, whenever I deliver hard news, it's funny. I usually say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you some stuff that is going to be hard to hear, but I'm saying it because I love you and I care about you and I want to see you become the best version of yourself. If I didn't care about you, I wouldn't even be having this conversation. Does that make sense? And, and that goes for even hard conversations with team members, right? Like I always start it with that first so they know that the directness that I'm about to give them is coming from a place of me wanting them to become the best version of themselves. Okay, how to hire from the outside. Put an ad up on, in, on Indeed. Boom, nailed it. Um, there's a couple of different ways you can do this. So Indeed, ZipRecruiter, you guys can run ads. We've, we've had success with those. We've got, found some great employees through that. Um, just know that when you're posting stuff on Indeed, okay, you, you have to figure out ways to segment down the trash so you're not getting all these garbage applications because you got to remember you're posting on a job site and a majority of the people applying to that job posting are unemployed right now. A lot of them are unemployed for a very good reason, and you need to filter those out. So a couple ways that we do that, if you watch the Cameron Herald episode, you heard a lot of this. Uh, we put our vivid vision in the hiring ad, so that way they can read it. They can see if they align with the company values and the goals of the company, where the company is going in the future. And if they don't, they just don't apply. So it filters them out. I also love the video idea that Cameron gave. We don't, in full transparency, we're not doing it yet, but the video idea where he has them, um, uh, once he goes through the resumes, he has them send in a video of them at, answering some questions so he can actually see the personality and things like that. Um, I also think if it's in person, interview that you're doing. Maybe that's not needed as much. Um, but hiring from the outside isn't that much different. I also love just poaching talent from other businesses. So if I see someone that's very charismatic, very energetic, that's in like decent shape, like I'm looking at that person and, and maybe having a conversation with them about becoming a martial arts instructor. Um, the martial arts technique part, I think is the easiest to teach. If you, if you can't teach the personality side of it, way harder to teach. So if you find someone with the right personality and the right energy and a good culture fit, I can teach them how to kick and punch. If I can't do that, I probably shouldn't be running a martial arts school. Um, the other part of this is I, I think it's perfectly fine to poach martial arts instructors from other martial arts locations. Now, I would never do this to my friends or my clients, but think about our industry, guys. I, just be real for a second. How many martial arts instructors are super underpaid and overworked in our industry? How many of them aren't getting any benefits, aren't getting any health insurance, have nothing else? How many of them are just expected to work for free a lot? 
there's a lot of that bull crap going on in our industry. And you guys have the opportunity to take someone from a situation like that and put them into a, a better situation where they're able to provide better for their family, where they're able to maybe save for their future and all of the all of these other positives that you're doing for this person. So for me, if I'm poaching someone from another business, martial arts school or non-martial arts school, I'm doing it because I want to provide that person a better opportunity. And I know that if I'm taking care of them, that they're going to come in and take care of my students and my members. Um, but yeah, it's a conversation. Like it's funny when Kelly and I go out, if there's a good employee somewhere, we're just like talking about like what role they would work well with in, in one of our companies and which one of us is going to have the conversation with them first. Right. And it's funny. It's usually not like us fighting of, you know, you do it, you do it. It's like, no, I want to do it. I want to do it. So we want to have that conversation with them. Uh, but that's just being aware of like when you're receiving great service out somewhere. Um, I also find that having really good relationships with other businesses and, and business owners is awesome. Um, a lot of times, like I'll go out for a drink after work with another business owner, or I'll go uh, for a lunch with another business owner. And a lot of times, just through those connections, like if I'm hiring for a specific role, I will text out to my like network of local business owners and be like, hey, we're looking for this role. Anyone past, present, future that you think would be good for this? And a lot of times, they'll have a recommendation of like, hey, we have this person that wasn't a good fit for this, but they would crush it for that. And then we get recommendations that way as well. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can approach hiring from the outside. And then it's super important to make sure that you do have a new hire onboarding system set up, okay? For whether they're coming from the outside or whether you're growing them internally, you need to have a good training method to set them up for success. Most of the people that are like, hiring from the outside never works, they usually don't have any new hire onboarding process whatsoever. It's a shit show. Okay, how do you have that firing of student or parent conversation? This is a good question. Uh, in most cases, I feel like there's breadcrumbs left before you actually have this conversation. Like there's signs that this person is not gonna be a good fit leading up to it. So I'm gonna go over, first of all, how to handle this the right way leading up to the conversation, and then we'll go over how to actually handle the conversation. Leading up to it, number one, when you're enrolling people, if you know that someone is not a good fit, do not enroll them. Like, don't sign them up. It's it's super simple. Like if we have a parent coming in, their kid just like grabbing snacks off the wall and running all over and jumping up and down, uh, which happened when we did a mass intro recently. I went in and taught a mass intro, and one of the kids I could tell just was not going to be a good fit. He is so crazy. He was going to be a distraction to the rest of the class. In that case, there was no like previous track record to have. I just walked to the parent and said, "Hey, I don't want. I, I want to make sure he gets the most out of this, and I also want to make sure he doesn't become a distraction to the rest of the class." For today, let's just have him see if if he can just watch class. And I want to see how well he can do just paying attention and observing. And of course, the kid did not do well at all. So then after the class, I was just like, hey, you know what? I want to make sure that if, if you're paying us money to train your child, that you're, we know your child is going to be able to actually uh, absorb what we're teaching and get the most out of this. And I just don't feel like right now that that is going to happen. And I wouldn't feel comfortable taking your money when I know I can't deliver the highest level of service for your child. And I hope that makes sense. And usually when I explain it like that, they respect it. And it's more me looking out for them, not me just being like, oh, your child's too difficult for them being here. Now, that was like a one and done situation. In most situations, like I said, you're gonna see breadcrumbs. So you need to make sure that you're documenting like any extreme disciplinary things that happen. So like 
let's say they punched someone in class and it wasn't sparring or something. Okay, I'm probably taking that kid's belts away. I'm going to fill out an incident report, and I'm going to have both him and his mom sign the incident report, whether they agree with it or not. Okay, They're not saying that they agree with me taking his belts away or whatever. What they are signing is just saying that, hey, this, this happened type of thing. And now in the future, when we have to have that conversation, there's documentation. The parent has already been uh, filled in about the incident that happened because they signed off on the form. Okay, and It's very systemized now. Right. And then when we sign up, when we sign off in the form, there's like a one, two, three checkbox that says the third time is termination from the school. So like that they can't continue training. Most cases, once you do it once, that the usually course corrects for the most part. Every time, if it happens twice, it's going to happen a third time. And it's making sure that number one, you're weighing what the issue is if it's uh, one of the ones I have zero talents for is parents shit talking in the lobby um, about like something they're unhappy with. So we had, we had a parent that was doing that at our school and it was, it started because their, their kid didn't get picked to be on the instructor team. Like that's, that's what it was. And that's what started this whole thing. So then the parent was upset that the kid didn't get picked and then was shit talking in the lobby. I immediately pulled them in and I was like, Hey, I totally understand if you're not happy with something that we're doing but it should be directed to me. It shouldn't be directed to other parents in the lobby because other parents are saying that they feel uncomfortable when they come to class because you just approach them and start being negative right out of the gate. I didn't say it with those exact words. Um, and then that parent, I just let him vent. And most of what he said was, I won't even go into it, uh, but I let him vent. And I just sat there and, and listened for a while. And then I said, all right, well, we have a couple of different options. Like we love having your kid here and your kid does awesome in class, but we can't have a, a culture of your child training and us trying to help your child become the best version of themselves. And then we're hearing from parents that you're just saying negative things about our coaches, about our teams, about other kids in the facility. So if you can give me your word that that's not going to happen again, we would love to have your, your child continue training with us. But if you don't think that's going to be doable, then let's just go ahead and cancel your membership now. And then I'll refund you this month of training and we'll wish you guys the best. And you guys can find a, a place that maybe you like better. Because obviously if you're not happy here, we don't want you to be here unhappy. Does that make sense? This parent did better for two weeks and then went right back to the same stuff. So we ended up dismissing them. Okay. And it, it's easy because we already had the conversation. We documented the conversation and now it says, Hey, I know we already, we discussed this and in that meeting, you told me you give you, you gave me your word that this wasn't going to happen again. Fortunately, it has happened again. And as much as I don't want to do this because we love having your child train here, we have to terminate your membership because it's making other, other people that both work here and also parents that come here, it just makes them uncomfortable. So we wish you the best, I'll refund your money. Uh, and if you need to help pointing you in the different direction of a different martial arts school, let me know. We'll be happy to help. And we leave it at that. They want to curse me out after that. If they want to yell at me, I'll sit there and listen and I'll, I'll take a little bit and then I'm going to ask them to leave again. That's, that's how it works for us. Do you have mass intros? If so, do you have individual conversations for each sale? And then what do you do to the parents that are waiting? Um, mass intros, it's funny. Uh, I went a, a good probably four years without having to do one. And then just did one recently at Move uh, where we had, I want to say, we have seven kids, six enrollments, I think. So we did, we did pretty good at that one. Um, for this, you do not want to do individual sales for everyone, all right? A couple of things when you do mass intros, okay, we do it as a group class. The parents are required to stay there because the kids are going to break a board and earn a belt at the end, right? So the parents need to be there for the entire thing. When you're running the class, you need to think about 
why the parents are there. They're there for character development for their kids. So the first thing I do when I teach this class is I just showcase character development. So we teach the focus anchors, like attention, lock it up, that stuff. Then I explain to the parents that, hey, how many of you guys would love your kids to be a first-time listener at home, meaning that if you ask them to pick up after themselves the first time, they say, yes, mom or yes, dad, and they do it right away. Every parent's hand goes up. Awesome. Parents, I need your help practicing this with your child. Now, kids, you guys rocked it here with your focus anchors. Like I said, tangent, boom. You're like, yes, sir. Hands at your side right away. My best students, the students that learn the fastest, it's because they have the best focus. And the reason they have the best focus is because they actually practice these focus anchors at home with their parents. So parents, here's what we're going to do. When I say go, all of you are going to yell attention. Kids, when our parents yell attention, we're going to run over. We're going to make eye contact. We're going to show them we can control our body, put our hands at our side, say, yes, mom, or yes, dad. And then we're going to stand still like a statue until they dismiss us to go back to our dot. Do you guys think you can do that? And this will be the same thing we do at home. If we're playing video games and we hear mom yell at Johnny attention, I'm going to pause my game. I'm going to go run to mom, look her in the eye, say, yes, mom. And then now parents, you have your child's full attention when you're giving them directions. They're not distracted by TV. They're not distracted by toys. They're not distracted by their brother or sister, which means you are giving them a better chance of actually remembering what you're asking them to do. So let's try it. And then we role play it a few times where the, the kids go out, they say, yes, mom, and they stand real tall. Awesome, come back. And the last time we do it, I have the kids run around the mat like crazy kids. And the parents all yell attention. All the kids stop being crazy. They run over, boom, yes, mom, yes, dad. That sells it. That sells it. Because you just showed the parents how to get a better response out of their child than what they've been getting. So we start the class like that. Then we teach them some, some martial arts moves. Then we have a breaking board at the end. We present each child with their belt. Do the board breaking individually. Kids come up one at a time, break the board. If you have a large, large group, then just do multiple lines. Okay, You have an a instructor with the board uh, holding the board to the front of each line. They break through it. Next kid comes up. And then after that, you have the kids sit with their parents, and then you go over the pitch. I've done this two ways. I've done it with a flip chart, and I've done it without a flip chart. The most recent one, I didn't do it with a flip chart. I just talked, right? And the entire talk is about why move martial arts is so important for their kids' development. So it's easy for us because our life skill program kicks ass, and it's really teaching the kids things that they don't learn in the educational system. So this is how I do it. This will only work if you actually teach these things, but you might be able to model it off this. So at the end, I say, I say parents... My motivation for opening a martial arts school to begin with was just seeing how the positive life skills that I learned in martial arts uh, prepared me for su success throughout my entire life. Uh, not only was I able to go to a good school and get good grades and win multiple contests at school for marketing, I also was able to become a business owner and own multiple businesses and all of this came as a result, believe it or not, of what I learned in martial arts, not even like what I learned in school. For example, parents, can I ask you, how many of you guys would have loved if school taught you about financial management? All the parents put their hands up. How many of you guys think that it would have been awesome if school taught you about how to like manage your emotions and create an emotional intelligence? Parents put their hand up. What about if school taught us about time management and how to be the most productive person possible so that we can actually spend more time doing the things that we love? Boom. I, I believe the same thing as all of you. And that's why we created Move Martial Arts. Because at Move Martial Arts, yes, we teach punching and kicking, but really that's a vehicle for teaching your kids financial literacy, teaching them time management, teaching them goal setting, 
confidence building. And we start going into that. So all of you that had your hand up, guess what? This is the better future for your child. Like the things that you wish you learned, we can actually help equip your child with here at Move Martial Arts. And then I go, I explain our life skill program and I explain how it works. I explain that the kids earn uh, XP points for doing these different missions. And I don't even talk about martial arts really. That's like the main thing. I talk about that and then athlete development. And then after talking about athlete development, hey guys, today it is easier than ever to get started. Normally our rates are 199 down, 267 a month. Because there's so many of you here right now, we're going to give you guys a today-only group deal. And what we're going to do is instead of the $199 down, it's just $89 down. That's, and because we're charging you $89 and corporate requires it, yes, we blame corporate. I know I'm corporate, whatever. Um, because corporate requires us to charge an $89 registration fee to offset it, we're going to give you guys a bunch of equipment for free. So we're going to give you your child's jersey. We're going to give them their gloves. We're going to give them their hand wraps. So we're really going to give you like $159 of gear for that $89 fee because we feel bad that corporate makes us charge it, charge it to you. You guys see how that works? Like, no joke, we're in that, that way. Parents are like, deal. And there's like credit card on the table. Like it's it's that simple. All right, then we go over the monthly. Normal monthly is 267 per month. When you guys enroll today, it's gonna be 247 per month. Uh, as an incentive to get started today, we're gonna give you guys $20 savings as long as you're a member off per month, okay? Here's how you enroll. You're gonna see, see that guy over there? Person raises their hand see him or see me afterwards. And then we're gonna get your child sized up for their jersey and they're gonna leave with all of their gear today. Cool, awesome. And then right away we go out in the lobby, parents come out, they start asking questions. We, we approach them if no one's asking us questions just see if they had any questions to start the conversation. And then one by one, we go through and enroll them. So I'll hand one parent an iPad, they'll start filling out their enrollment form. Okay, then I'll start talking to another parent and doing that. And then meanwhile, we have another team member that's a runner that's just going and sizing up kids for all their stuff and then coming out with it ready to go. Um, and that that worked great for us. Our last time we went six out of seven on it. Um, and it's very similar to what I used to do when we used to do regular mass intros back in Chicago. That's how we do it. Don't do individual sales. It'll take forever. Um, and the class is really what is going to sell it in that case. You got to be totally character development focused for that. Next question. What is the most important next step after profitable owner operator slash dancing bear? All right, if you guys don't know what the dancing bear terminology is, I've used this before. Um, dancing bear means that you are a solopreneur, which means your business only makes money if you're dancing. And as soon as you stop dancing, the business stop makes stops making money. This means that the business is totally reliant on you to be successful. We don't want that, especially long-term, because that means you can never go on vacation, you can never be sick, you can never call off because you have to be dancing all the time. So this question is saying, all right, I'm the dancing bear. We are profitable, but what's the next step? Like, how do I get out of being the dancing bear? So the next step is number one, deciding what you want to delegate first. Okay. So you can do this a couple different ways. There's more than one like road to take for, for you to be successful on this. First delegation point is what you suck at. Okay. If there's something that you are not good at or not as good as, that would be a good thing to delegate first. For example, when I took over MX Martial Arts, I was always a great instructor my whole life. I'm on the mat and I'm teaching and I'm realizing that I'm still a good instructor, but I'm not as great as I used to be. My patience isn't what it used to be. So for me, I wanted to replace myself on the mat first so I could do more back, back of house 
business stuff, following up with leads, doing enrollments, that stuff. That was my focus, okay? The other way you can do this, besides just doing what you suck at, is doing what you hate. Like, get rid of that first. So if there are tasks that you're doing right now that you absolutely cannot stand, maybe it's cleaning bathrooms, then you're going to hire a cleaning company to start cleaning the bathroom so you can regain that time and use that time towards generating revenue. The only way this works, though, is if you're trading the time. So if I just hire a cleaning company to take over the cleaning, but then I'm not actually replacing the time I'm getting back with productive activities, you're just going to get tighter and tighter on finances because you're not using that time to actually generate extra income, which is what should be happening, right? Um, So two different ways to go with that. Either way, you have to systemize what you want to delegate first. For example, if I want to delegate classes, I better have written class plans for everything so that whoever is taking over or whoever I'm training to, to take over has something written and documented to follow to create consistency. Because what I don't want is to replace myself and then everyone's like, well, why aren't you teaching anymore? We like your classes the best. I failed, right? Um, if it's the front desk, I better have like a daily operations checklist. I better have opening and closing procedures. I better have the systems that I need so I can, number one, train someone faster. Number two, ha- have resources for them so they don't have to reach out to me for every little thing. Okay, and then number three, what happens when I start training this person and then they quit or life happens and something happens, I can't keep working. At least I have everything written out and systemized. So now when I bring in the next person, like it's easier training path. Okay, so if you are the dancing bear, single owner operator, and you're looking to get out of that role, you need to create systems first. Now, a little birdie told me that there's a great new thing called martial arts systems. So if you go to martialartsystems.com, like it literally is every written system you need for your martial arts school. It's the same ones I use in my own school, and we update them constantly. So check it out. Shameless plug. Not shameless. I don't really care. Should plug it. It's awesome. It's great for the industry. It's going to push into the future. All right. What is the first thing you do when you're the only instructor and have one staff member? I think that sort of coincides with the previous question. Um, is it, You, you got to start figuring what you need to replace yourself in so that you can do higher level tasks, higher level thinking. Um, the, the one thing that I will say is this is I, I see too many people delegate and what their definition of delegation is me having a conversation with this employee that, hey, you're going to start doing this now. I want you to take it over. I train them once and then I just like disappear slowly into the bushes and hope they go and kick ass. And then they fail. And then I was, uh, then I'm like, well, I'm just going to do it myself then. I'm not going to, every person I hire can't do it as good as me. Every person you hire can't do it as well as you because you don't train them the right way. You don't actually take time to make sure they have it down before you send them off into the fire. You got to do like, uh, I love the three-phase approach to training where phase one is they're just going to shadow for the first 30 days. They shadow me. They're not doing anything themselves, All right? You got to remember a new employee has no understanding of your business, which means you need to think for them probably for the first 90 days that they're there. Like you cannot expect them to think for themselves yet because they don't have enough information and experience to think for themselves yet. So the first 30 days, they are just watching me. Right, And then at the end of each shift, I'm going to meet with them for a half an hour and I'm going to let them ask questions about anything they saw during the shift. Okay, And then I'm also going to make sure they have an understanding of why I made certain decisions that I made throughout the shift. Phase two is also going to be a 30-day phase. So after that first 30 days of shadowing, second 30 days is 
we're going to team up and do this, all right? So if it's on the mat, maybe I'm going to have them start running warm-ups as the first step, and then I'll teach the rest of the class. But they're starting to get more integrated in whatever it is that they're getting ready to take over. If it's the front desk, guess what? We're going to start doing enrollments together. We're going to start doing lead calls together, okay? So that way you can see me do it, then you practice. And then you see me do it, and then you practice. And they're going to get reps in. They're going to start getting those reps in to get better at it. The last 30 days, phase three, is going to be you do it and I watch you. Okay, so if it's teaching, guess what? They're going to be teaching the class or multiple sections of class, and I'm going to watch them, and then I'm going to give them feedback after the fact. It's front desk. I'm going to let them run the front desk for 30 days, and I'm going to be there shadowing them every single day, giving them feedback at the end. Now you have someone that saw, did it with you, was supervised while they did it on their own. And now by the end of this, you should know that, hey, this person can take it over and kick ass with this and I don't need to be a part of this. Now you still need to audit them regularly. You still need to check in with them regularly, right? You can't just assume that once they're trained, they're trained forever and they're going to kick ass forever. Constant training needs to happen. All right. How often do you raise your rates annually? So there's a 5% clause in our contract, um, and you don't have to do it annually, and we may not choose to do it every year, but we have a clause in our contract that says every 12 months, there's going to be a 5% uh, annual price increase that happens on their membership, okay? And it's just to counteract inflation, which if you think about inflation now, it's way higher than 5%, so we're not even meeting inflation, but that is in there so that we can raise rates annually if we need to. And the the main thing is that you're, number one, totally transparent about it right out of the gate. So when they sign up, you're explaining to them about the 5% annual increase. So it's not a surprise when it happens. Okay. I almost would even go the, a little bit further. If you have them initial next to it, even better, because down the road, if you notify them of the increase and they're like, I never knew about this, you can be like, yeah, I actually had you initial right next to it to make sure that we are super clear on this. So I apologize if you forget about that, but here's a copy of your agreement so you can see where we had you initial. And that way you can bring it back up to them. But you also also give them like at least a month notice that the 5% increase is going to happen. I also like showing them, hey, this was the rate you're currently at now. The 5% increase will bring you to this rate. So it's very black and white on what they're paying and there's no math needing to be done on their end. So I hope that helps. All right, guys, that is all the questions that we got. Next week, you guys don't want to miss, we have a special holiday episode coming of the Relentless CEO podcast. It will be magical. It'll be way different than all of our other episodes. So you don't want to miss out. Remember to follow, like, and subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode. We're unstoppable to the top. We're about to go. That CEO, I need to know the impact we about to grow. Competition, comical. Straight A1, we on the road. Money focused for the goal. Tell them what they need to yeah, know. We unstoppable.